0: everyone and welcome back to episode 9 of the counseling conversations podcast it has been a very busy week with the change in seasons over here in western australia going from the hot days in summer to cold and rainy days in autumn it's also school holidays here and the long easter weekend has just gone past i hope everyone is feeling good and traveling well Today, we are talking about some of the barriers for individuals seeking counselling or mental health services. This episode topic was sparked by a fellow listener who wanted more information about accessing mental health services for a person beginning their journey in mental health. This episode might help you understand if you have any barriers personally, or it might give you insight as to the reasons behind friends or family members and their restrictions to accessing mental health help. Before we go ahead, it's important to recognise that because of the limited amount of time, this episode only scratches the surface of barriers, and by no means covers the many obstacles that a lot of individuals experience. Also, the information in this episode is based on the current healthcare system in Australia as of April 2023, and as we know, issues and services are constantly evolving. So, it is understandable that many individuals, whether young, middle-aged, or elderly, face barriers accessing mental health care or seeing a counsellor for many reasons. Some of these include stigma, confidentiality, waiting periods, and financial costs. If you did grow up in an environment or family setting where emotions and mental health was not role modeled or welcomed with open arms necessarily, it may be difficult to make the first move for yourself and it may be hard to make a shift within that established culture. You may simply not feel like you can access mental health care because of stigma. There may also be feelings of guilt or shame around this. This is the first and strongest barrier that many people face If you have ever related to this, you may have heard yourself wondering about things such as, do I really need help? Is there any point in speaking to someone? What if people find out? Will my name be listed on some sort of a record? Will there be consequences to seeking help? You might also find yourself thinking, it's really not that bad. This problem I'm facing isn't even a real problem. I can probably get through this on my own. These are completely valid thoughts and I can assure you that you are not the first to think these things. Mental health issues have existed for as long as mankind have been around. Most generations, cultures and communities have a solid understanding and acceptance of physical health issues. And seeing the doctor is not a big deal. Although if and when help is needed for issues related to mental health or emotions, there is judgment and resistance and there is stigma. So what can we do about this stigma? We can't change the people around us, nor do we have control over the attitudes of the wider community around us. We only have control over our own thoughts and choices. If you have been paying attention to your thoughts and feelings and suspect something isn't going quite right you are probably right seeking and gaining help for yourself is a form of self-care and it's always wise to speak to someone if you are unsure you are the expert of your mental health and your body so do some self-reflection and research then go forth and do what is right for you the second barrier is the barrier of confidentiality some individuals worry that when seeking help, their issues will be exposed and even leaked out to the public. Some clients that I have worked with have shared concerns that the information given may be used against them and worry about their well-being and whether or not they be refused health care in the future. Others have shared that if their information is on a health record, that it would change the outcomes of their future. These are all heavy burdens to carry so what can be done about this well firstly it's illegal for confidential information between the counselor and client to be shared or revealed to the public just the same as when you see a gp about a health condition you may have it is illegal for your gp to speak about or share personal information with others it's the same for mental health practitioners and counselors if in the event a client discloses that they are at a risk of harming themselves or harming others or ending their own life, then the professional has a duty of care to inform the client's emergency contacts or the relevant authorities and a breach of confidentiality can happen. It is specific to harming self and others and not for any other purpose. This is discussed at the very beginning of therapy in the first session as well. For minors under the age of 16 in Australia who have disclosed that they have been harmed or abused by someone, whether in the past or present, healthcare professionals are bound by law to inform the authorities such as the police or the Department of Child Protection If you ever do find yourself having personal concerns about your information not being kept confidential, you can and should inform your counsellor about your concerns so that they will take note of it, be extra mindful and continue to reassure you of the privacy of your information. If you do not wish for an emergency contact or next of kin to be called, you can also inform your therapist of this. But remember, it is not legal for your counsellor to share your personal information with anyone in the public or anyone within your family. Their licence can be taken away and they can be dismissed from their workplace. The third hindrance to counselling is the waiting period. This has become an increasing problem over the last few years since the pandemic. There is usually a long wait list of several weeks before a counsellor is made available. And sometimes they may be available earlier, but clients that work full-time find it difficult to schedule in time. Usually, a counsellor can only see up to four to six clients within a day. And these clients usually reoccur for weekly sessions, which really doesn't allow much room for accepting new clients that need to be seen so call a few different practices to inquire about their waitlist and let them know that you need to be seen urgently if that is what fits for you they may be able to refer you to other known practices in the area Another limitation for people is accessing locations. A lot of locations are out of reach for people in bigger cities as well as rural or regional areas and this can become a real problem when seeking mental health services. Online therapy sessions are a lot more convenient if you do have a quiet and private space to use and you will find that many therapists online are fully online therapists and specialize in that. Better help Online Counseling is an American-based mental health platform where you can choose and find a therapist online and Talked is an Australian-based platform where you can easily find and meet a therapist online and book an appointment, usually pretty immediately. The therapists on the platforms are licensed therapists and require proof of their governing body registration as well as their qualifications in order to be accepted onto the platform. The last barrier that we'll talk about today is financial costs. As mentioned earlier, a fellow listener Sarah T made direct contact with me and posed this very interesting query. She said, when I was 20 and in university, I knew that there were free counselling sessions available. I was just wondering if the free counselling sessions were not working for me. I wouldn't be able to afford paying a counsellor with finances being an issue at that period of time. It's that tricky phase where you don't want to rely on your parents to pay for your counselling and you want to be independent and to be able to pay for your own expenses. May I know if there are slightly cheaper options when you're a university student struggling with finances? So this is a very valid concern that many people are facing. There are some other options and please be aware that this information here is by no means exhaustive. Also, these ideas that are shared are from my experiences in the mental health field and the information is not a substitute for financial advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Universities do have free counselling sessions, but there is usually a limit. There are also Christian churches that have free counselling services available and most registered counsellors in Australia historically have a sliding scale fee option where they take into account your financial situation and can negotiate on the hourly cost. The fee is set usually to allow for fairness and to address income inequality. So the higher your income, the more you'll pay, and the lower your income, the less you'll pay. So do ask the counsellor or the practice about their sliding scale when you are making an inquiry. In Australia, you can also speak to your GP about receiving a mental health care plan, where you can receive up to 10 psychology sessions per calendar year at a subsidised cost. And sometimes these sessions are fully bulk billed. You can also be referred by your GP or other service provider to the Community Mental Health Service which is government funded. You can also self-refer by sending an electronic referral via email. If you are eligible, the amount and frequency of sessions will be determined by the assessor. There are also non-profit organisations in WA such as Headspace, Holyoke, Rainbow Community House and women's health and family services that can offer free counselling sessions. The other option is to see an online counsellor or therapist for help because often costs are generally lower through the online platforms mentioned earlier. You could see a therapist fortnightly rather than weekly in order to reduce your costs as well. There are also free emotional support numbers that you can call. Some of these are open 24-7 and most of them are open for long hours. You will be anonymous and your information will be kept confidential. And the person over the phone is someone who has been trained in counselling. So Lifeline, Helping Minds and Black Dog Institute provide telephone support. And Beyond Blue has both the phone line as well as a chat option to text or type rather than speak. Some workplaces and companies have an employee assistance program, also known as an EAP program, where they offer a free and confidential counselling service to all employees at work. The service is designed to support the well-being of employees and to assist with any personal or family or work-related concerns which may be impacting on the employee's work life and job performance. The counsellors or psychologists are not related to the workplace and they're often external providers that the workplace has chosen to partner with. Also, support groups and 12-step programs can also be very helpful and whilst they are not professional counselling, they offer help and a safe place for mental health issues to be discussed with like-minded peers who have had similar experiences. Some include Smart Recovery and the GROW program as well as many others. If you would like any recommended resources, please do post these questions on the Q&A section of the episode or reach out directly to at peace dot of mind counseling on Instagram. Don't forget that there are also some great YouTube videos from experts with advice and tips on certain topics such as depression or anxiety that can be very helpful. There are also free courses online and podcasts that provide helpful counseling information that can get you started before you see someone. At the end of the day, It's important that you are doing what is best for you and your circumstances. Sometimes it might not be the right time to begin therapy just yet, or sometimes it might mean shifting around expenses or sacrificing things in order to accommodate the costs of mental health services for the time being. If a loved one had a physical problem like pain in their arm that was not getting any better... You'd hope that they would seek help from a GP or a specialist. It's the same for a relational or an emotional problem, right? Don't forget that you are worth the financial costs and your mental wellness is important. You are worth it. Despite what others may have suggested, your emotional and mental well-being counts and your emotional and mental well-being is worth fighting for. So to summarise, there are many obstacles to accessing counselling or mental health services. This is a worldwide issue that is happening. Sometimes it's a process and a bit of a journey to figure things out so that they become possible for you. It might involve trial and error and accepting some hurdles along the way. Find out a way that works for your unique situation because part of self-care is seeking help and also overcoming barriers. Don't forget, your life is valuable and you are totally and completely worth it. So that concludes this episode for today. Thank you for listening in, my friends. And until next time, may you have peace, empowerment and experience joyful living.